Alejandra. I'm Sam. I'm Harrison. I'm Rocky. And I'm Marcelo. And this is Going Helm Steep, the Middle Earth film series retrospective by Talk Film Society. Episode 2, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Part 2. Where did we leave off, guys? Like, like, I mean, the fellowship has has started. Fellowship has been formed. They have Pippin not being a lovable doofus. Yeah, we start in Rivendell. Like the opening scene of this second half of the movie is Aragorn visiting his mother's grave and being like, "Uh, well, now I have to do this shit." <laughs> yeah, I, 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 again, like, well, we're doing the extended editions. Uh, just for anybody who's like jumping in into this episode, you know, which just, like why? Just starting with just starting with part two, <laughs> part two of the first movie. Um, but I forget. I'm not sure if like this if this scene is in the theatrical. It version. is not. It is, it is not. not. Oh. It is not. Yeah. It cuts right to uh, I think Bilbo giving Frodo yeah. the Mithril. Yeah, it does. Uh, and like all the the little bits of Aragorn in it, in this end of um the rivendell section the like stuff with his mom's grave and the quick glance he gives arwen as they're walking out were cut from theatrical uh and that whole sequence of them leaving rivendell was also cut uh they just get the mithril walk out and then they're doing the the cool vista shots with the theme oh so like that one like maybe my favorite one of my favorite moments mm-hmm. in the whole movie when mm-hmm. when Frodo goes, which way, Gandalf? Left or right? And Gandalf goes, goes to left. the left. Yeah, that's not in theatrical. Nope. God mm-hmm. damn it! I'm just finding yeah. this out. That's that's incredible. Wow. It's almost like the extended editions are better in every way. <laughs> no, that's insane. Honestly, insane. Because I obviously I don't think I've seen the theatrical since the theater. So not. I have not seen the theatricals since I was a child. I just have the exact right kind of brain damage that lets me remember all of this. <laughs> Harrison, do you remember if that line is in the book? Um, left or right? No, I'm pretty sure it's not because that's too fu- that that almost strikes me as too modernly funny for Tolkien to have written. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect yeah. moment. And feel free to give me any Tolkien tidbits. Oh, that should be the name of the podcast. Tolkien tidbits. <laughs> Tolkien tidbits. I, I love mean, it. I actually love it. Tolkien tidbits is pretty good. I some think that's. T-T's? I think yeah. Th- some TTs. <laughs> TTs. <T-T's. laughs> Tolkien tidbits. <laughs> oh, Has- oh, hashtag TT. Ooh, I like that. Well, oh, I a- ask because I thought that like so I know that. <laughs> nobody is going to relate <laughs> but led zeppelin is a really big fan of or are yes. really big fans yes of yes lord yes. of the rings so in stairway to heaven <laughs> they say that there's what is it there's a feeling i get when i look to the oh i thought it was never mind it cut there's this. a no it's a feel, <laughs> it's west, no, no it's not no, west. Thing there's a feeling i get when i look to the west yeah and because Hobbiton you know is to the west of what they're oh i thought it was hobbiton no, because like into the west uh, is where they you have to go from the Grey Havens, go west to the Undying Lands. I and figured it was because like on the journey back to or like on the journey to Mordor, mm-hmm. Hobbiton is on the left, and so they're like, or on the west, sorry, and they're yeah. just like, oh, miss home. That's what I thought. I mean, it's that as well, but uh, like I mean, the Grey Havens and Hobbiton are like 
a grand total of like what 20 miles apart really so yeah okay well i guess it's up to interpretation but let's cut this whole part out because i thought it was a complete different (laughs) word that they were talking no i like talking about stairway leave the stairway in (laughs) (laughs) some fucking guy was like on twitter was like trying to school me on it like on the whole they're like did you know that a lot of Led Zeppelin songs are. <laughs> oh, I saw that. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> like, that guy. I literally have like the Tree of Gondor on my left shoulder, and then I have like the Led Zeppelin Zoso on my right shoulder next to each other on purpose. Mood. Anyway, anyway. I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm I'm keeping all this in. Um, I, I I actually enjoy all that conversation because I I for one didn't really know i knew about the led zeppelin you know being a fan of tolkien and all that but just the intricacies of it no idea um mm-hmm. this, is, this is a journey for me too yeah <laughs> no like go, an unexpected go, one oh, yeah. <laughs> no go back and listen to um ramble on has an entire like verse of specifically about golem Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, st- stairway is very clearly about Galadriel. Over like, the hills and far away. away it, Misty uh, mountain hop. Like there's a lot. Like it's 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 not subtle. Fine, we'll have an episode all about the Led Zeppelin references. Apparently. All right, all right, cool. We have welcome to Tolkien Tolkien tidbits, our new thirty episode epic about <laughs> all things Lord of the Rings. So back to the movie. Back to the movie. Okay. So, so Rankin Bass <laughs> in the seventies. Shut up. All right. So okay. Uh, early on. So okay. Uh, do we want to get to the iconic shots in the beginning of the second half, um, where they're yes, yeah, like that the stunning field shots. Holy shit. Yeah, because that is like the moment that's ingrained in my mind when I think about this trilogy. You know, namely because that shot of them climbing over the mountain is in the trailer and it's a it's a it's the most it's one of the greatest trailers for any movie ever made because it says hey (laughs) here is like you know what you thought was unfilmable this epic trilogy uh of novels and here it is on screen and here are your favorite characters and here's when they're all coming out you know, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, 2001, uh, The Two Towers, 2002, The Return of the King, 2003, and that's it. It's like, oh, so yeah, that shot. Um, yeah, so talk about that, folks, because um, I don't know if you guys remember seeing that trailer before seeing the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just the ultimate establishing hero shot. I mean, even if you hadn't had no prior knowledge to Lord of the Rings, you would see this group of characters like you know go over this little like crest or whatever between the two rocks and you're just like those guys are going on a journey like this looks like the epic quest you know that the trailer's selling and uh again it's a wonderful establishing shot and you understand that there's different kinds of i guess creatures and races that are going to be involved in this and uh, you see it clear as day and sure enough a dude a fucking wizard you know what I mean? Like an on-screen wizard, you know? It just looks fantastic. Like, absolutely fantastic. It's one of those, like, pulls-you-in type of things. And, and I'm glad they put it at the end of that trailer and showed the dates of the films that were coming out. Because it's like, this is going down. Like, it's like, this is seriously happening. Like, coming to the big screen and we're going to go for it. Like, full tilt. And thankfully, they're all badass. <laughs> I really wish I had, like, been obsessed with the books when the movies came out. Because... 
imagine waiting like a good like 20 years for a like an on-screen adaptation and then finally getting it and then having this be what you get mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah. uh i i mean i i was just a fan of like the the uh just just the idea of like yeah i've heard of lord of the rings yeah but just the idea that like this epic novel that i've heard, the novels that i've heard about for so long it's like finally fans of the book are getting what they've wanted for for decades and uh i'm just excited and it, it was cinematic as hell so of course i was i was excited either way um, i wonder if there's anybody out there who's like Ugh, it's not as good as the books <laughs> uh, i'm just thinking of ben wyatt from uh parks and rec <laughs> there are absolutely people out there that are like that like I was joking last week about the Tom last episode about the Tom Bombadil stuff. Yo, Tom Bombadil stands are scary. <laughs> so okay, yeah, like I, I I don't I don't remember if we got fully into it. Do you want to get into that? Because I not fully into that, but just just enough so people understand what the deal is with Tom Bombadil. Okay. Okay. So the thing with Tom Bombadil. That's is the, like that's the podcast title. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing about Tom Bombadil. <laughs> the thing about Tom Bombadil. Uh, the so the the big reason he got like the big canonical reason he got cut out of the movies is because he's one of these people that like the ring just doesn't affect. In the books, the ring just doesn't affect some people. Um, but Bombadil is also hinted in Fellowship to be just as strong if not stronger than um uh sauron so they if like the hobbits had been aware of this they could have just given him the ring and it would have been fine but at the point they were at they didn't so they could pass on pass on through um but also there's like it's the eagles all over again if this if this force of nature becomes prevalent in your story there's no story so you got yeah. no movie. There are no <laughs> movies. Like fucking, like fucking, get over it. But um, Bombadil is also this way of like hinting at like a larger, weirder universe. Um, because as like when we get to um the end draft scene in um Two Towers, that's the tree that tries to eat Merry and Pippin is pretty much their nod to Tom Bombadil because that happens in the books. That tree is in the Shire. Or yeah, in the Shire area, um, not in uh, Fangorn. Uh, so yeah, they move some stuff around to like give credence to stuff in the books that they couldn't fit in, which we'll talk about again when we get to uh, Lothorian in a little bit here. Um, but yeah, that's also why they ended up changing Faramir's character around um, and actually having him care about the ring because in the books he's also one of these people who is like i would not pick up that ring if it if it laid on the side of the road <laughs> like he just doesn't give a shit i will say faramir in the books is way better than faramir in the movies i think i haven't read two towers in long enough so i can't dispute that we're gonna reread it for this and then it's gonna be like a book club and then we're gonna have episodes where we recap what we read <laughs> <laughs> well right that's the third chunk of the show it goes <laughs> Uh, the plot and then behind the scenes and then just Harrison and Allie talking about the books. All right, <laughs> don't don't Fair tempt enough. me, don't tempt me. But uh, I love so this. I want to talk a little bit to so like that shot, you know, the establishing shot of. I love how the movie's very careful not to have any shots remotely like that until 
that point. And then, you know, obviously for the rest of the movie, we have rest of the trilogy, we have tons of them. But uh, even like there's that limited thing of Aragorn and them, you know, walking. But it's like it's shot in a way that still seems small. Like it still feels just like all these dudes going on a small little trip. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then this shot's like, oh, shit, this is the most epic movie we've, you know, ever seen in our ever life. seen since you know fucking definitely american you know this kind of yeah of the 21st century uh yeah like like crazy. this this shot is the moment in D where you cross fifth level and get out of the like local areas and can actually like throw big ass fireballs at people and like realize how big of a world you have to explore okay harrison you totally lost me you just <laughs> sorry i'm off the map <laughs> you know what we're to- you know what this is a lord of the rings podcast if the the venn diagram between lord of the rings fans and dungeons and dragons fans is quite qu- quite close to a full circle wait 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 hold on, hold on. wait 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 harrison are you rolling dice no, <laughs> right now, not currently. Okay, I thought I heard. I thought I heard some rattling. Uh, all right, so okay. Uh, any more comments on 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 the on the epic shots here, and with the sweeping music too? It's oh. just so. I want to marry Howard Shore. Iconic. Me too, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is he available? I want to know. <laughs> but okay, it's it's grand. It's amazing. Uh, so where does that lead us? Well, they, um, the, the 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 spies the. Uh, I always the the Crabane. The Crabane from Dunland, yes, as Legolas likes to shout. Um, no, he, he just shouts, <laughs> like he just kind of yells. Um, I actually kind of want to jump back a bit really quick. Yeah, let's um, do that. Because we skipped over um, Bilbo and Frodo saying goodbye and like Bil- Frodo getting all of his, his gear. Oh, giving uh, him Sting, yeah, yeah. Getting Sting and Bilbo giving like the best jump scare of the 21st century. It is fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, 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 I remember that now. I don't like, know how Jesus I forgot. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That face. It still is, gets me. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's almost like the exorcist face yeah. of Holm, the 21st century. So sweet. And especially because he's like, he's older, mm-hmm. getting, you know, uh, his, the, the time's catching up with him now. Uh, cute, white-haired Bilbo. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. And like I said on uh, last episode, the thing like where Gandalf and Bilbo are sitting on the on the stoop of Bag End smoking their pipe weed and ruminating on their re- ends, Bilbo knows the ring is like his doom, and even now he can't like quit it. I've seen the ring uh, and the drive for it compared to like drug addiction um, by certain people. And this scene specifically kind of like jumps out at me because of it, because it's like, well, just just let me hold it, and then like lashing out when they're um, when it's been denied. Yeah, it's- and then in the immediate regret of like I've hurt everyone because of this, and well, the yeah. the amount of pain and suffering I've brought onto you, Frodo, because now you are gonna have to deal with the same feelings I'm feeling. Yeah, I mean, he even starts, you know, just breaking down, uh, yeah. crying is just heartbreaking. And then it's also just, you know, hinting at where we end up with Frodo in uh, Return of the King. So, yeah, it's all, God, these movies. That's why I think of them as one movie, because they are. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They were all shot at once, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Really, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's um, one movie. I, I, I do remember, and again... 
uh, if we ever get through this and we want to talk about the appendices, I'm all for it. Um, but I, I remember uh, watching the appendices, and yeah, they shot like a lot of it, you know, all at once, you know, one, two, and three. But then they had just a lot of reshoots. Um, yeah, pickups and reshoots. Yeah, pickups. Yeah. And stuff. So they were shooting for years and years and years and years. And Principal, if I recall correctly, principal photography took most of 1999. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, they had to come back and, like, they were shooting all the way through, like, 2002, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... If I... Again, if I if I recall correctly, and I think this is mentioned in, like, that documentary that Jackson commissioned, which is on the Blu-ray set. I don't know if it's in any of the other sets. Um, they finished the melting of the one ring in, like, VFX with, like, three hours to go before the premiere. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I remember that. That's a true statement. That motherfucker was worked on up until the finish line. Like, and uh, Peter Jackson was kind of famous for saying, like, the film ain't over until it's over. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, like, I will wait until the last possible set. Like, you gotta rip it out of my hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's that kind of shit. Like, nonstop polish. Yeah, uh, a, a, a tangent on that, uh, and this is one of my favorite stories ever of, like, filmmaking. Um, Peter Jackson had stored um, a cut of one of the movies on an iPod, uh, iPod video. Yes. Yeah. And, like, he had it all there and traveling with it. And, like, if he loses this thing, like, <laughs> it's, like, back to square one. But th- th- just the thought of, like, all of that movie on, like, a – I forget the, uh, the size. Because kids listening, if you're young <laughs> enough and don't remember iPods, they used to store, you know, uh, uh, videos and music. And you had, like, maybe one, like, what, uh, 100 gigabytes on it or something? Uh, iPod Classic topped out at 128. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I had the trailer for these movies on my iPod video that I watched all the time. But that's uh, that was so about it. Awesome. So, I mean, like, so, yeah. Um, but, so, yeah. Imagine the world if we had lost the... And it's just such a New Zealand thing to do, too, right? Like, it just looks... It's such a Peter Jackson thing to do. Like, oh, it's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just carry this around like it's no big deal. <laughs> um, but, anyway, no. I, I love the making of these movies. But, yes, um... I forget where we were. Okay, so they we talked the, about... They, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, they get their gear, That's Bilbo right. scares the shit out of everybody, That's right. and then they go, they move on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, and then Gimli's like, I got hair! And uh, he, he's stoked about like, like the elf hair. And that's w- that's way later. That's way later. Yo, like he's just I'm jumping gonna go, ahead. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go deep on that hair. That hair oh, is yeah. like. That hair is like my favorite moment of the entire fucking movie. Like I cry every goddamn yeah. time. Oh, it's so good. Let's talk about the cave. Okay, let's jump to the cave. We're, we're, we're jumping right, into the cave. All right, cool. Skipping Cahadras. Well, just... Skipping Cahadras. That's fine. <laughs> I'm jumping around. Okay. We're, the mountain's we're, important. The mountain's skipping. important because Boromir, you know, yeah, gets the ring. No. And that's, oh, that shot's incredible. That's one of my favorite shots in the entire fucking trilogy. That that ring in the snow is one of the best things in the world. Like, it's so well done. You see the scale of, like, not only the ring, but the, the entire fellowship going mm-hmm. up the mountain in a beautiful, like, like scaling, like, format. It, it's great. Like, that shot in particular is great. And then yeah. when he picks it up, that speech he just has where he's just like, this thing is fascinating to me. <laughs> like, you could tell it's, like, fucking his brain up already. It's so good. Such a good moment. Im- imagine imagine that we would risk so much for something so small. Ironically, yeah. which is I, which he says after the ring 
is made to look gigantic being so close to the camera literally dwarfing Frodo and Aragorn who end up being the two most two of the most important living people in Middle Earth yeah, yeah. So, like, Damn. even even compared to the literal King of Gondor and the Steward of the Ring, this ring just dwarfs them in power and stature. Oh, yeah. That's it's, some it's, Citizen Kane shit right there. <laughs> it, it's perfect. Like, there's a lot of shots in this film where the ring is the boss. And uh, the, the reflective shot where they're arguing before the Fellowship is created that we brought up in the last episode. Uh, this oh. shot, you know, in particular, that you just made a great point with, like... The ring is not fucking around this entire film. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, in in the first chunk, I don't know if we mentioned it, but um, the, when the ring hits the ground and just stays there, doesn't bounce, it just <laughs> like that is the shit. Like that that just shows you so much visually. And, you know, I, I love that moment so much. I had to bring that up again in case we missed it. Yeah, this is gonna sound downright stupid, maybe, but hey, it's like the ring is its own character, right? I mean, what? it is. <laughs> it it is though. Yes, absolutely. It's the will of Sauron. (laughs) That's the joke. (laughs) That's the joke, Doc. Yeah, I deserve that one. Sorry. (laughs) No, okay. I I, I want to emphasize this again. Peter Jackson, okay? I love the man, and I love, uh, you know, Meet the Feebles, you know, Brain Dead, all that stuff. But this uh, has to be, like, the best thing he ever will make. You know, I mean, I, seriously, I, like I, I, yeah, I agree with you, and I love, I love the Frighteners. I even love King Kong, but like, this I was shit, gonna say, Mad no King Kong shade being thrown. No, but <laughs> I, I just, this is on another level. Like this is, like he tapped into something with this that, like, I, it's indescribable. I mean, it's. I mean, I mean I know we're obviously the target demo, but this shit is just. It's like he was possessed or something. Him and uh, obviously, you know, no, uh, Fran Walsh and Philip Boyens equally yeah, I agree. Uh, important in that. But like, they just knew that they were doing something special and they, he'll never top it. I mean, who can? It, auteurism has kind of gone out of vogue um, with good reason. But like this, these movies feel like a really like the strongest argument against auteur theory because Jackson was aware that he would not be able to do it himself and brought in so many people that all had their own visions and interpretations of Lord of the Rings. And all of these influences are seen on camera. Like it's all there apart from the fact that they brought in like, I can't, I always forget their names. The two illustrators that did all the illustrations in the books, John um, Howe and Alan Lee. How and Lee, thank you. Um, it, it, he, they brought in How and Lee to do production work. They based each different cu- uh, nation in Middle Earth on a different actual, um, like culture, which is why Rohan feels so Celtic and Viking. Um, but the fact that it wasn't just Jackson's vision for it. This isn't like. This isn't a Star Wars, oh, it's my original vision kind of thing. It is <laughs> ev- it is an entirely collaborative process. This was the first movie I think I saw where I realized how much work goes into filmmaking. Same. And, like, how many people can be involved. Like, this is... It takes more people to make this movie than it does to, like, make my company... Mm-hmm. run yeah. Yeah. so it was the first movie that really kind of like put me on board with the whole like maybe 
we give the director too much credit sometimes. Like, there's a lot of people that have made this what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I just can't imagine these films. Like, just, I always think about it. Like, if they weren't filmed in New Zealand, like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's, it's impossible to think about now. It's like, it's impossible. I mean, it's, it's so <laughs> fucking stunning. The, like, I wouldn't call it impossible. I would just say like prohibitively expensive. The fact that you have all the all of these disparate um, biomes in such a tight location makes New Zealand perfect. I could see them like having to travel the entire U.S. to get the different biomes they needed, but like traveling around New Zealand, you get like hop in a car, drive four hours, and boom, suddenly very different shots of like fields right next to the biggest you know the most right picturesque mountains you've ever seen so exactly it's actually fucking mind-blowing how beautiful it's, these it's, movies oh, are it's so good takes a village <laughs> yeah exactly it takes a village. yeah an actual village an actual uh, village yeah so now where are we now guys are we gonna oh I, I'm, I'm just steering us towards that cave are we at the cave yet <laughs> one last thing one last thing <laughs> the fucking the the i can't tell you how Mind blown, I was as a twelve-year-old, however old I was, of uh, fucking Christopher Lee, his voice coming through the air, and then you know a foul voice on the air, and just the that shot of him like just metal standing on top of his tower, and I yeah, you know the big craning shot around him. It's just the fucking coolest thing ever. It's so good, and I think what makes it even better is just knowing that like they didn't really have to give Christopher Lee lines for that because he had all the spells and shit from mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings just memorized. <laughs> like, there's anecdotes from all being on set where they would be like, alright, here's what we want out of you from this, and they would accidentally like use a couple of lines of like the One Ring to Rule Them All speech, and he would just start rattling it off, and they would tell him to stop, so he would switch over to the Black speech and just keep going. <laughs> I love that so much. I'm like, about to cry. Oh, he he's the best. Uh I love him. I'm, I'm grateful that he was alive to be a part of this. And I, I think, yeah. we, brought this, I think we brought this up on the last one. But I'm so glad that in his like golden years, he got to be a phenomenal villain. He got some great lines. Uh, had some great scenes that obviously you guys are pointing out. We pointed out the wizard fight uh, in the first one. Uh, there's, he's just a great addition to this. And, and like Again, indelible is the word I'm looking for because mm-hmm. of his knowledge of it. You know, He came in super fan. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like, it would be like, it would almost be like they made a Destiny movie and brought God Harrison and I on board. <laughs> Every episode. Uh, there's, there's, our qu- there's, go! Our, there's our quota. There's our quota. There's our quota. Not I the hate. spot. I, not the spot. I, I thought it was going to get brought up, but keep, all right. All right. So <laughs> this was all an elaborate fucking episode just so that Rocky could say that one line. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, okay, Marcella, we can go to the mines. <laughs> And they called, called it a, it a mine. fucking cave. A okay. mine. Listen, yeah, I didn't want to correct him because I knew you guys were gonna go nuts. <laughs> and I was just like, I know it's the mines of Moria, and this fucking like, is a cave. Like, I mine. know that he called it a cave troll, but it's a fucking mine. There you go, yes. a cave troll. Also, See, that's that's where, like, where that's, uh, that's where my my, my uh, mind is. Just uh, yeah, we yeah. The cave. Let's talk Marcella's about the, the Boromir of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a Gandalf because I I can be easily killed off. Uh, oh, we, we're we're not there yet. Spoilers. Uh, okay. Spoilers. Okay, the mines. Okay, okay. They 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 they're entering the mines. They they're trying to uh, find out this riddle. Speak friend and enter, and they do. Okay, 
And now they're in the mine. So, so, okay. Wait, act- actually, hold on. Hold oh, on. Okay, here Fucking... we go. Harrison actually <laughs> me. All right, what's going on? Actually, no, you're you're entirely right about all this. I'm just a little cranky. <laughs> actually, you're G- right. <laughs> No, I'm just a little cranky at Gandalf because he's sitting here like being a fucking show off, translating as he's going. I Whereas, love it so like, much. if you had just read what it says, Gandalf, the door would have opened. No, but like, just, just, it's it's a perfect character thing, though. Like, like I, that's why I love Gandalf the Grey so fucking much because he's like he's kind of a dumb, like kind of a absent-minded professor a little bit where he's like yeah doing these, uh, these like there's, there's several moments in this movie where they're like uh, all right this is this big epic thing and it's like no wait hold up i need to you know grab no, my wait. readers like, no wait oh <laughs> no my nose tells me we gotta go we gotta go to the right always follow your nose if you don't know Which, where you're going just smell no, like, but no, no he's he's too fucking busy thinking up cool <laughs> cool dunks for Pippin to even, like, give a second thought about, like, wait, what if I just read it? But you know what? That's why I will always, 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 always prefer Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White, because yeah. I feel like that's kind of lacking. Yeah. At least in the movies. No, Gan- like, well, Gandalf- it's, it's part of his tragic thing, though, too. Like, it's like you're... Because he's, he's gone, and but it still makes the... The fact that you don't get him back right away is kind of you know it, it works like it's yeah uh, you're still sad like his loss still affects you because we're not he's not he's yeah Gandalf the White's essentially a different character and I mean like if we want to if we want to get a little bit color theory about this like Gandalf the Grey is more human he's less pure so as soon as once he's died and come back come back to life he's white he's let all of the humanity go from him and he fully uh, he basically fully ascends and becomes a Maiar spirit in all but form at that point just kind of guiding the puzzle the chess pieces where they need to be and letting him go go do their thing like he he barely does anything in the next two movies except like punch um Denethor a couple of times in the head that's not true at all. He does that weird staff turn thing that... Like- I'm being extremely <laughs> reductive. <laughs> we'll get there. We have a lot more movie. Now- he shot- yeah, he's being extremely reductive. He kills a lot of orcs at Minas Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Badass. Now, now, me being Marcelo Pico, here's how I see it, okay? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Gandalf the Grey, you know, like smoke pot. Uh, Gandalf the White, not so much, you know? That's it. I mean, <laughs> very good. Yes, well, all right, I'm getting it. Yeah, I love you know. Back to part one, just for a second. Like Saruman's, uh, you've been smoking too much of that. Uh, that pipe weed. Uh, weed, yeah, it's great. There Fucking hypocrite. <laughs> all right, so we're in the mines. He figures. Well, he doesn't figure it out, does he? It's Frodo that figures it out. Frodo right? figures it yeah, out. Frodo figures like, it out. What's the Elvish word for friend? Melon. Yeah. There you go. And then, and then, there's a really cool critter that pops out. That's <laughs> oh yeah, the yes. uh, fucking L-E-F. L-E-F. the 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 yeah. squid, right? The squid. Uh, <laughs> the, the watcher is that yeah, what he's called? The watcher, the watcher oh, in the water. Okay. Marcelo <laughs> called it a squid before recording, and I got really irate at him. <laughs> Actually, it's Cthulhu. <laughs> It's a squid at the end of Watchmen. He was contractually obligated <laughs> to be in that trilogy so Zack Snyder could not use him for the ending of that. <laughs> they and plus, are. He, was missing, he was missing some tentacles, too, because of fucking Boromir and Aragorn, you know, so... Yeah, it, all, it. it all makes sense. It all makes sense. So, they, they cut off some tentacles with the Watcher in the water. And 
Yeah, and like this is this is one of the things where like you can kind of start to see the wear and tear and aging on the effects because like the tentacles look very rubbery. The lighting's not quite right, and you can kind of tell that Frodo's just like stuck on there. Um, but this is like one of the few places where it actually starts to show. It actually doesn't bug me because it's a nighttime shoot. And like right. they, all they have to do is add like a glisten effect for the most part on that critter. Yeah. And so they don't have to do any hardcore rendering on it at all. So it actually kind of works for me. The fact that it looks the way it does. Uh, but yeah, uh, it gets better and better and better. Cause like, let's just get into this mine already yeah. because this is the <laughs> business. Like this is like, uh, like before, like we all start going off. This is like from the second they walk in that mine, I am owned as a filmmaker like he's already got my attention big time i'm already a fan but this chunk of the film is the best shit i've ever seen from the balrog to the orcs to the cave troll the score that they had the the gap they have yes, to jump yes. while they're yeah. being arrows are being shot at to the whole you shall not pass you know to what inevitably happens the slow-mo yell the cut to the fucking broad like, daylight all of that shit is incredible filmmaking. I mean, like, not a second wasted. Not a second. Every fucking chunk of that matters. It's muscle. Pure. And I just had to bring that up. It is, it is, like, yeah. Yeah, no, it is. is absolutely, like, the best part of the fellowship. At least my favorite. Like. Yes. 100%. fucking insane. It's perfect. It is is perfect. Thank you. Yes. No, this This is. This is why Rocky is here, though, just to, like. This is fucking, (laughs) this is perfect filmmaking. Like, I don't, I don't call things perfect this is fucking perfect filmmaking and it is like it almost entirely book accurate mm-hmm. which oh, is yeah? what's even more staggering about it it is it is jackson and crew flexing on the motherfuckers who said this book is unfilmable by like almost entirely transcribing what happens like the like yeah they added a couple of flourishes here like the helmet fu- like how long the falling of the helmet and the skull takes uh and then the the cave troll uh goes on like they embellish that a little bit but like there's a cave troll in the book pippin causes noise and gets him in trouble and and, like the fellowship running down the stairs isn't in the book but like there's these stylistic flourishes that just add more to it and that stairway sequence is a really good way to like further reinforce these character dynamics and like who's really on board with who who likes who a lot like that just shows you again how much Boromir cares about Merry and Pippin and the Hobbits I just feel like every choice that Jackson made like to make this different than the books was like it made it better Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna sit here and say that the movies are better than the book but the movies are better than the book (laughs) <laughs> like I, yeah. I would, I would, I will die on that hill because I want to point out a, a magical cue change as well, real sure. quick. I don't mean to cut you off, Allie. I apologize. Like it's okay. The, I forgive you. D- it's d- okay. This is what happens when I'm the only woman on the podcast. This <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Fuck. Uh, I just love how the score is like you know got the chanting going on, and they're trying to cross that gap. And mm-hmm. the second they cross the gap, we get that awesome theme once again, you know, just and the, the the stairs falling and cracking and crumbling. And you're just like, these movies are the shit. Like, that's yeah. the moment when your brain just like is like, I love the Lord of the Rings. Like, from the fucking score to these characters, I hope they get out of this mind. Like, holy shit. Like, you know, this is so great. 
like big fan of those cues, like how it just switches yeah. in tone, and like and, that. It's perfect. And from a from a narrative perspective, like knowing there's going to be this immense loss and tragedy coming up, that's. I'm suddenly suddenly very sold on this whole stairwell stairway sequence. I was not expecting this but when I was coming in to record today. Um, but like you have to give the viewer and the fellowship one last actual like hurrah, we did it moment before we tear them apart for the rest of this movie. That is the last fully triumphant version of the fellowship theme that you hear for the rest of the trilogy. Like that like it's triumphant in places, but you don't get that full swell of the entire orchestra doing it after this point. Oh, that's right, that, right. that's a good point. I actually did I don't think I noticed that watching it this time around. That makes a lot of sense. I will say that this is actually like my favorite score of all time. Like, it's not even just because it's Lord of the Rings, but it's pretty much everything Rocky said too. Like, it, I cannot imagine that this movie would be as good without the, the score it has. Preach. Yeah, it would not. Like, it just wouldn't Sure, sure. My he, he murdered it. Uh, he fucking murdered it. It's so perfect. And I love that because up until this point, Howard Shore was not, you know, was the Cronenberg uh, guy, right? Like he mostly. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And so I love that, like, and then he went and did this shit, like with the, uh, I don't know. I mean, just the, it's incredible. And there's some stuff we'll, again we'll get to in the appendices too, but just the way he approached it uh, is just it blew my mind uh again there's a i'm not a music expert but i always i'm always fascinated by scores and this one is yeah it's one of the greatest ever yeah just just a quick glimpse at his uh filmography howard Did Shore. sound to the lambs yeah yeah i was gonna bring that up sounds to the lambs right. what uh, yeah mrs yep. mrs doubtfire what uh edward <laughs> no a departed aviator yeah, that was yeah. yeah. <laughs> working with uh, now for a long time. Too. Harrison just fucking his brain got peeled back, son. <laughs> he was just like, "Whoa, what? what? Fire score!" <laughs> and also, That's hey, the- uh, shout out to uh, his work uh, with David Fincher. He did Seven. He did The Game yep. and Let's Panic go. Room. I love Panic Room, and I love his score for Panic Room. So I knew, I knew he did Seven. I didn't know he did The Game. Yeah, he did the game. And also, hey, Yo. why are we whispering now? Because <laughs> I and, and, can't fucking handle this. And he also Yo. worked He worked with Kevin Smith on Dogma. Oh, yeah. That's a choice. Big. All right. High big. fidelity? High fidelity, yeah. Holy we're just shit. List off. Yeah, we're just I'm listing off. Y'all, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead. Speaking of dead. <laughs> Gandalf. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. My heart. Now, here, just an outside perspective. Not really. I did. I don't think I knew that was going to happen. Even though, yes, you know, uh, it's. I'm guessing. Well known. I didn't know either. Oh I'm yeah. Right okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I and this was a shock to me. And this hack when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, I felt this. Like I, I uh, that moment uh his last triumphant like you shall not pass it's incredible oh, oh it, oh. it. Oh. <laughs> i sense. am a fucking st- we stand we stand so hard <laughs> yes it it gives me chills just thinking about it's, it it's one of the best fantasy moments ever committed to film it's it's better than anything in conan the barbarian it's just the best it's like i i remember seeing that in theaters being like 
this is truly magic. Like, this feels like a fantasy, like Frazetta paintings and all that shit that you see. Like, when the Balrog puffs his chest out and moves his fist to the side, like, you little fucker, like, you, like, move. Like, like that is great. Like, that just sells the whole thing. But please continue. I just had to rant again. I mean, I'm just, like, uh, uh, just sitting. I got, I got so excited about Gandalf that I pulled my nose ring out. <laughs> Wow. I'm just going to let you guys know that right now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, I, but I'm just like setting the table for you guys for this because oh. I, j- oh. just for me, like I was just stunned by this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you shall not pass. Like Haraki was saying, iconic. That line's going to live forever now. You know, uh, you know uh, I mean, it, obviously it's in the books, right? Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And now like... It's now synonymous with the movie, with Ian McKellen just being a badass at that moment. You don't see any anything else other than Gandalf in that moment. So one time, a professor in his syllabus he put that meme. Oh yeah, <laughs> basically warning us that if we missed one assignment, we wouldn't pass the class. <laughs> Damn, it was quite awesome. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So yeah, then and then yeah, and then now we want to talk about let's let's, let's talk about. Um, Gandalf, uh, his end here, okay, his actual end. <laughs> That's a morbid way of saying that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, if you want to talk about his actual end, we have to talk about like him going off the Great Havens. So don't like fucking don't okay. pull this Harrison, shit, Marcelo. God damn it. Okay, his- that comes way later. Like the hair, it comes way later. Okay, <laughs> don't jump the gun. Gandalf the Grey's end is, is is that a better way for me to specify it? Gandalf the Thank- Grey. Thank you. Okay, there you go. Um, this is the exact kind of uh, actuallys that I want in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, now, you got them. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it, I, it, yeah, again, going from You Shall Not Pass to the line with uh, Ian McKellen Gandalf just saying, Fly, you fools. How, like, I'm. Uh, uh, okay, how did we all react to this? <laughs> He says, "Fly, you fools! Fly, you fools!" Yeah, just yeah. Just. I remember pure the uh, the audience was just silent, like completely. It was just brought like just the, the so his whisper is all that more powerful because I remember just like literally people stopped moving. Like that's how important that mo- even. And I feel like people had you know there were probably you know a lot of people there who read the books, but it's still. Uh, and I just remember being, you know, freaking, just losing my mind. Uh, Have you heard that, like, people say that he said fly you fools as, like, uh, like basically telling them they should take the eagles? Uh, oh, <laughs> Have you I, heard that shit? Every time I, I hear that, I'm God like, oh, dude, guys. I haven't, actually. I, that's no, me, I, I, me neither, no. I almost disconnected from the call. Like, that <laughs> upset me so, so, no. <laughs> no! I don't want to talk about the Eagles until Return of the King because I need to actually do my research on that one. Ugh. And, and, and I just took out my nose ring. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> it hurts so bad. No, it, it was like I was saying earlier, though, guys. Like we see him fall for a good few seconds. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't cut away. We actually and I watch mean, him fall into that yeah. pit. And then it cuts to Elijah Wood screaming in slow motion. And then they pull him out. The, mm-hmm. the music's kicking in. The beautiful choir. And then it cuts to boom, super brightness. And you're already kind of like misty from him. Like, you know, and that brightness ruins your day. You're just kind of like, yeah. oh, shit. You're like, I was not ready for this. 
fucking exposure on my eyeballs and like i'm already like crushed right now but uh yeah that was that moment oh, those cuts again just yeah amazing to me those those sequence of cuts just matter to me and they're burned into my brain much so like, like a lot of this film not to like at so, like it's tolkien so at a certain point you have to be like oh yeah there's some heavy-handed religious symbolism here but like they Jackson and Co. really went for it because, like, if you like, yeah, Gandalf falls, but like he keeps his arms outstretched for a good long while in like a cruciform. <laughs> I'm like, all right, guys, like that's that's a bit much. Like, I get what you're doing <laughs> I, here, I, but that's a bit much. I actually never took that from that. Yeah, like, you know, I, but but I do see it. I mean, because yeah. again, I, I've got the image burned in my brain. You know, I, I see it. What you're talking about, but I, <laughs> yeah. I never I never extracted that from it though. I, I always just got it as I took it as like, yo, Gandalf fell in battle. Man, this sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the one that delivered all the critical blows is down, son. <laughs> we got to rally. I mean, I he is my Jesus. I've always said that, so I I I, I see it obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the fellowship takes a big hit, the biggest hit. I mean, what are they going to do now, guys? What are they going to do now? Yeah, and part of what's Cry about so it. crushing is that uh, there's the speech he gives to the conversation he has with Frodo. I can't miss that. Oh God, yeah. yeah. To yeah. me, that's oh. the uh, oh my God the, the series How? in itself. Yeah, like that that conversation is probably my. If I was pressed, it's probably my favorite dialogue exchange in all of movie history seriously Me like too. that's how yeah yeah uh powerful um, it is and it makes me cry every time and it's yeah. like uh it's just the uh you know the pity I, of bilbo may rule the fate of many is just holy shit like that and and then to be followed up with i did not i didn't ask for this why did it that's come the to one. me that's and the gandalf line. just McKellen's delivery on so do all who live to see such times what matters not is when what we do not what it what matters most is what we do with the time we are given and like not to be too real about it but uh things are bad right now what um yeah (laughs) like how so harrison (laughs) (laughs) um uh i could I could uh, no, I don't want to talk about this. That that's it's for not. the ev- that's well, for the there's e- another there's another one to make us all cry and uh, that's uh two that's towers too, so. Yeah, no, me me listing off how we're fucked and need to do better is for the Evangelion podcast and not for this one. Um, that fucking line has okay, so it's no secret because I'm super public about it on my Twitter, but like I struggle really badly with depression and like yeah. These fucking movies saved my life, you guys. And it was that line that did it. And then there's another line that I'm going to talk about briefly. We'll talk about it again when we talk about The Hobbit. But it's uh, when he's talking to... I think it's Saruman. I don't think it's Galadriel. Where um, somebody, either one of those, asks him about why Bilbo. And then he talks about how like it's small acts of kindness and love that kind of like keep the darkness at bay mm-hmm. oh Gandalf I love him yeah. yeah I'm with you on that one um these like a lot like this doesn't exactly reflect how my struggles with depression go but like it very similar to you like these hit me in a way that just I find reassuring and that like 
everyone struggles everyone suffers um we just got to do the best with what we can Mm -hmm. and like it like they struck they they seem to struck a bigger chord with you than they did with me in that regard and like i'm i'm i don't know where i'm going with this i'm sorry um <laughs> no but i mean it's like it's yeah. like why these fucking movies are like ridiculously important to me and to so many people and because like i feel like these movies and this is also why i feel like the movies are better for me anyway than the books and i love the books dearly obviously but i think that the movies are more emotionally intelligent than the books are the books can feel <laughs> a little cold sometimes yes very very much so so I think that this scene is like done so incredibly well that it's a perfect example of that. Yeah, you know what I think. I, I have to oh, go, go ahead, ahead Sam. No, go okay. ahead. I was just gonna say okay. I think a lot of that comes from uh, just uh, Fran Walsh and Philip Boyens, but based on what I've heard, there. Then anytime I hear them talking about the, the like the way they wrote it is just like uh, they. Peter Jackson's a great director and he's a great writer too. He helped them too, but it's really even he defers to them. He's like, no, it's mm-hmm. that you know. They're the these women are the ones that are like any mind blowing bit of dialogue is probably them and it's uh, it's incredible. But yeah, go ahead, Rocky. I just wanted to point out very simply the magic of these films is like they are human at their core. No matter yes. how no matter how fantastical they get, no matter what special effect they're thrown on screen, whatever the Balrog, all the shit I'm raving about, they're they're so relatable. And it doesn't matter. Like again, what race sex creed you are like they're so profoundly soulful that i mean that this is how you would wish humans would communicate at certain times you know what i mean uh, especially the, the chunks that you're pointing out and uh, again we'll get into it later with sam wise talking about the, the, in the finale of two towers it's like yeah. Yeah. like all that shit matters it's like it's okay it's not sappy it's not corny it's like the this is how the human soul should work <laughs> and should Which, move forward you know and, and it's yeah. great you know and that's like, the magic of these films i think uh and like i didn't want to get into this until later because it's more applicable for later but since we're talking about it now um part of the reason i think people mock these uh movies as the way they are mocked and like the whole frodo sam discourse is because people like heterosexual white men specifically um are conditioned in american society to be so afraid of vulnerability and intimacy and Mm -hmm. showing any male-on-male intimacy um to the point that it has become toxic and like i feel okay bringing this up now because like aragorn and boromir are another perfect example of like how like a how like aggressive and strong like physically strong men can still have an intimate emotional relationship if a bit fraught and rocky at points but like have it be fulfilling but because like Frodo and Sam don't fit that model people get really weird and bent out of shape about how sincere they are with each other yeah, like people make like gay jokes about it all the fucking time, and it's just and it's like it's like yeah, just fucking it's stop. Really, not that foreign. I mean, it shouldn't be that foreign for like two men to be able to have that kind of like really close and intimate relationship with each other, which is also why I am like obsessed with Gimli and Legolas as friends because yeah. Yeah. not only are they two men, but like they're also supposed to hate each other because of the history between elves and dwarves and 
it's so real that they do it first, but they can't help but interact in a way that makes them kind of, you know, fall in love with each other, even right. platonically, obviously. But but like Gimli ends up going with Legolas to the to the to the Undying Lands at the end. Like that's that's a huge thing. I agree. I really love that. So it is this these movies have a lot of heart and i mm-hmm. think the books obviously do but i just think there's something about these movies and it might be the score because scores just do it for me <laughs> but it's like it makes it feel like more visceral right. and profound to me and i'll circle back around to legolas and gimli again when we get to the end of florian because there's uh like there's another moment that i really want to talk about because it's just so good we bring us to the wood elves now uh yes ah. The, still oh man, not Galadriel. still not what else still not okay, what so, else sorry, I'm sorry. i'll leave the podcast forever i'm sorry the wood elves live in mirkwood okay you're right uh, you're right that's uh that's legolas uh, if if i oh, did not okay. give if i did not give frodo and sam a pass i'm not giving sam a pass <laughs> galadriel galadriel all right finally the voice we heard at the very beginning of this movie uh, we we see in person and they all meet her. All right, Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. win an Oscar for this? That's, that's bullshit. All right. Oh, um, <laughs> we'll save Oscar talk for Return of the King because okay, I've got like a twenty right. minute. I got a twenty minute rant ready to go. Like, <laughs> oh. but, uh, I mean, but these, it's incredible. Uh, this might be. I mean, every cinematography is incredible throughout the movie, but like, there's something about this otherworldly glow in the night like, that it happens here that's especially in the fountain scene or the mirror uh, whatever looking pool or whatever uh, with Frodo and Galadriel it's just it's it's incredible it feels again we keep saying magical but that's the only way to describe it it feels ethereal in a way that I can't really describe what was the word we kept using last time? Great. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, this perfect. <laughs> I lost Which track. Which is ironic because Harrison said that he doesn't ever use the word perfect, but he used it like 12 times. <laughs> Except in the case of these movies. Okay, okay. I am, that. I am usually very critical about the things I love. I will not hear a goddamn word against these movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to hear more about uh, your feelings on Cape Blanchett. Rocky, do you have feelings on Cape Blanchett? Yeah, I love her, man. Um, obviously, I mean, she's just a great, great talent, and she's proven her worth over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, this is one of the greatest examples of that, from her opening the film to her actually, like, um, not being tempted by the ring, but kind of going through this test of, you know, touching the ring and, like, what it, mm-hmm. what she would do with it should she wield it. And all of these scenes, like, click for me. They, they all, like, matter. Like, I believe in her otherworldly nature oh and, and there's a uh, there's a, a moment where she's talking to somebody but then she looks over at boromir like i'm on to you motherfucker like that <laughs> th- that moment to me is the best shit in the world because it totally sells like again how powerful she is as a being um and again i just love her stature as an actress she's one of the best australians to ever do it like her and hugo weaving just matter like they're they're so special uh, as far as uh, actors and actresses are concerned and uh galadriel's great you know i mean she sold it like right away from voice alone i was into it and then when you actually get to meet her and see the shit that she does you're like fucking a like <laughs> you know like this girl is not playing like at all like these these fucking creatures are badass you know like uh and, and the other thing too i i i gotta before i lose my train of thought i love the fact that they're just kind of chilling in the woods 
while all this crazy shit is like happening Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like it's almost like they could intervene and they could be like powerful enough to fuck with this fight but they're just kind of like eh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you know, like we're just, we're just chilling like you know until it comes to us we're good you know like it's, it, i love that shit we're, we're gonna walk you know away to you know our heaven anyway it's, it's really cool <laughs> like th- there's something very special about their presence in there I they're believe, like the doctor strange it. of middle earth yeah yeah it's, they're special <laughs> like that um Allie, i actually want to go around the table Oh, about Kate Blanchett. I want to hear everybody's thoughts on Kate Blanchett. Allie, your thoughts on Kate Blanchett? I would fucking die for her. I mean, <laughs> I really would. I would lay my life down for her as Galadriel and also in every other role because she's actually perfect. Could you imagine anybody else as Galadriel? Because I can't. No, no. Yeah, I mean, later on down the line when you watch Carol, too, you're like, I cannot see anybody else in this role. But this bitch like, doesn't age. Can we just, like, she really is an elf because... <laughs> mm-hmm. She looks the exact same <laughs> in this fucking movie that she doesn't Carol. Yeah. And also in Ragnarok. Oh, she's amazing in that movie. I love oh, she's it. hot in that. She's yeah. <laughs> How old is Kate Blanchett? But, but, Let me look. I, <laughs> she is having a she ball no in Ragnarok. This bitch is 50 years old. She's 50. Wow. 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 Uh, Sam, any thoughts on... Uh, Kate Blanchett. Any thoughts uh, at all? <laughs> so right now I'm thinking of just the. I know I, we're gonna have appendices episodes, but that's part of why I can never imagine anyone else in any of these roles is part is the behind the scenes stuff because watching those it really makes you feel like you know them, uh, and like Kate Blanchett and it just it, this is actually from the Hobbit appendices of just like how her and Ian McKellen became like super good friends uh, because of these movies. It just makes me happy and it, it works too because. Galadriel and uh, Gandalf have that history too, so uh, it's I don't know. She's just it's incredible, and that that scene that Rocky was talking about, where she goes through her test, is just it's one of the best things of acting ever because the way she flips from like you know concerned about Frodo to the holy shit, she's the most powerful probably being on the planet with her you know uh, all will love me in despair uh, to then her recovery from that and realizing like she's safe that she like passes is like it's one of the best things ever now harrison also cape Blanchett, and also earlier you wanted to, uh, you said you wanted to talk about the hair okay so yeah. yeah so jumping uh to them leaving i just, just like I, I i can't say any more about can't heap any more praise on Kate Blanchett. Y'all said it all so well. Like, she's perfect. She's ageless. I'm pretty sure she's going to outlive us all no matter what happens. Um, like, she's immortal. She's great. She's wonderful. My favorite little production thing is that uh, they had the they had a rig of lights uh, that were was constantly shining in her face, so they would get seven lights reflected in her eyes, one for each of the seven members of the Fellowship. So, like, she's constantly watching them and got her eye on them. Uh, which I just think is a really cool production design uh, thing. Moving on. Um, so when she's giving everybody their parting gifts, um, this isn't explained in the extended edition because it would be a whole long spiel and it wouldn't fit very well. But uh, Gimli asks for the single hair from her golden head uh, I've got the quote in front of me from the book. Um, when when she asks what he would like, 
he says, there is nothing, Lady Galadriel, nothing, unless it might be, unless it is permitted to ask, nay, to name a single strand of your hair, which surpasses the gold of the earth, and the stars surpass the gems of the mine. I do not ask for such a gift, but you commanded me to name my desire. So, this is not the first time somebody has asked Galadriel for hair as a gift. Um, in in eons past, another elf, uh, Feanor, uh, requested a strand of Galadriel's hair as a gift three times, and each time she turned him down. And that was another really powerful, really important elf. So the fact that Gimli, a dwarf, asked for one, one, that means like a dwarf being finally smitten by the beauty of an elf and recognizing their importance and stature in the world and humbling himself before her. But two, the fact that she gave him three hairs when she wouldn't even give the an wouldn't give Feanor one speaks volumes to her opinion of Gimli uh, and is like a major thing for elf dwarven relations, which kind of like also signals to all the other elves that like, hey, maybe calm down and dwarves are okay. <laughs> which is why which is why their relation like Legolas and Gimli's relationship becomes like evolves from here out and becomes so much stronger. So by the time you get to two towers, you just kind of believe that they're they're cool. And then it grows from there. Now I have a question. I love that. I yeah. have a question. Now, in the world, in the novels, Lord of the Ring, mm-hmm. Rings, um, how often is it a thing that people ask for strands of hair? I think this is the only instance. That's the only, okay, I was just wondering. You should see my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> is this a normal custom within the Lord of the Rings verse? <laughs> I'm, I've got the oh. I've got the wiki up, and the only thing with the the hair of Galadriel is that it's described as golden, touched with silver, and seemed to shine with the light of the two trees of Valinor, which is like a Numenor beautiful. thing, like hugely beautiful, gorgeous. Uh, and Feanor is the only one who asked for a strand of her hair, and he asked three times, and every time she said no because he was just a prideful motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so yeah, can relate. Yeah. So we should talk so, about the other the other gifts as well because yeah, I love yeah. uh, just Sam's reaction. Like, got any more of those knives? Those daggers too. It's so good. Uh, I forget what uh, uh, what does he get? He gets rope. Rope. Right? Yeah. He gets yeah. really yeah. good <laughs> rope. And it's really yeah. important yeah. rope. It's the, yeah. it's the shit rope. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's the dopest rope in the history of ropes. <laughs> and he's just, he's just like, ah, I want a blade. Yeah, or the 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 bread. Like how many you know how many loaves is it again? The, any that's why when you talk shit about Mary and Pippin, I couldn't imagine it without that that line of like I yeah. ate four pieces of. The bread. But like, that's that's what's so baffling about like theatrical versus extended. So much stuff you think is just kind of crucial to the fabric of the film is just not there. Mm-hmm. Like that entire gift giving sequence is pretty much stripped out except for uh, the light, the the. the yeah, the one for um, Galadriel's gift to uh, Frodo, the light Mithril. of the even star. Yeah, yeah, you know that's that's insane. I actually do remember that that the, the, that sequence was uh, added on to the extended version, and I just yeah. I was like, yeah, those prove 
crucial to the plot of the theatrical versions of Two Towers and Return of the King, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Gifts. Yeah, it's, it's odd. It's odd. Um, yeah. Again, it's why I prefer the extended cuts. Um, okay, so a- anything else to say about these quote-unquote wood elves? <laughs> the elves in woods. <laughs> okay, now you're just doing it to make me upset. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. No, I'm joking. Uh, so look, are, are we going to move on to the... Just finale, right? Really, really quickly, like Aragorn's awkward conversation with what is it essentially his um, mother-in-law? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like that's I'm disgusted. That's pretty great. <laughs> how he's mm-hmm. just like how she's just like, hmm. She's gonna stay for you. You better make this worth it. <laughs> right. And Aragorn's like, hmm, okay, not not wanting to admit that he's in chronology pretty much already told Arwen to be like to that they're done <laughs> he's so fucking broody sometimes I can't uh, stand him honestly yeah and like well okay so uh, <laughs> he is extremely broody in this but at least he has something to do compared to the books where like by the time they've left Rivendell he's been given Narsil already completely reforged and has been like well I guess I'm the king now boop a doop a doop just kind of doing his own thing for until he gets to Gondor and has to like fight wow, wow. like he's got <laughs> something to do at least I just love yeah, agreed. Yeah, I just love Vigo so much. Like, I think any time where he he just plays it so well that it's like, yeah, he does get a little broody, but it's like it. I think the way it it's all earned and it all like goes to a place that matters. But yeah, I mean, I get it. But like, yeah, if there's something about uh, Aragorn plays it the way like no one else would have played it, or no one else would have played it the way Vigo does. Uh, just the way he like it's always understated. It's always you know he's. Uh, it's amazing, and I, you know, again, yeah, we're just... it's very. It reminds me of Kurt Cobain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. a little bit. I yeah. would have never made that that connection, Ali. <laughs> so thank you. Um, now, okay, so we're 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 heading towards the end of this. Okay, uh, I'm actually watching the movie. It's on it's on mute, and I, I'm playing <laughs> it with subtitles too. I'm, I, 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 I'm to the point where good old uh, Sean Bean and Elijah Wood are together and oh. in the woods. This is maybe one of my favorite shots in the entire trilogy, okay? When uh, they're fighting over the ring. Because, oh, yeah, because, of course, we know that, you know, uh, 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 you know Frodo is short, <laughs> is, is, is short in stature, <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> right? I just want to lay that out if anybody's confused. Yes, oh, no. yes, yes. <laughs> so we know Frodo is short. <laughs> we know Frodo is short, right? But no, okay, so Peter Jackson, uh, he decides to just, you know, not use any special effects for one shot where Sean Bean is wrestling Elijah Wood on the ground and keeps in with it. With, yeah, and it's, it's raw. And you believe it because the way he shoots it. I'm kind of blown away by it, where it's like, yeah, it's like I've used special effects and like, uh, uh, um, you know, fancy camera tricks, you know, to 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 trick the height. But for this one shot, it has to be so real. I have to feel it. You know, these two fighting, that you know, screw it. We're just we're, we're just shooting it like you know, no special effects. So yeah, I love it. So I just want to point that out. That's one of my favorite shots in the whole freaking trilogy. Where where this is happening. There's like the the broken the statue that's like 
you know, covered in the, you know, the, the broken man, sta- you know, statue of man. That's like, yeah, uh, that shit is just amazing production design of like, it's, you know, mirroring what the struggle going on in Boromir. Uh, and just the heartbreak of when he realizes what he's did has done is so just gutting as hell. Like I mean, just Sean Bean, man. Ugh. Yeah, I, I that's a lovely bit of theater. Ugh. I love it because he gets to act to, to himself. You know, there's nobody there at one point, and he's just performing his balls off, man. Like there's a really good moment of what you just said there, like of of pure rage, wanting to take the ring, and then this whole transition of like, what the fuck have I done? Like, the holy shit, like, and you just see him, like, self-destruct, you know? It's, like, so well done, man. Like, just out there in the woods, acting is better. Good shit. He always acts his ass off. It's fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, like, I, uh, I think we mentioned this in the first episode, just I, I love Sean Bean, and even uh, in, when he shows up in stuff like uh, Jupiter Ascending, I'm like, yes, please. Um, I love I that B-man. Yeah, that B man. What? He's have a B you not man. Seen Jupiter ascending, Harrison. No, I have not seen Jupiter ascending. I need to rectify <laughs> this. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> Sorry, standing speed rate. I'm Jupiter ascending kicks so much. I'm too busy standing speed racer. Don't Fuck sleep. off. Does Leave he me alone. Die in that? Does he die? Spoiler alert: He does not die. Oh, good for him. Yeah. For once. Good for him. Proud of him. No, but he's a B man. Okay, uh, I did. I, I I did a commentary on the movie with Rocky. Go listen to it, everybody. And yeah, watching it with him, I realized yeah he has like, uh, what was it like like a like a, a B pattern shaved into his head, which I never caught before. Which yep. is like insane. <laughs> he's gonna use BNA. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> BNA. All right. Lord of the Rings. Anyway. Um, this is not what you put a rest in. Destiny. Uh, the shot of the, the statues. I can't. Uh, oh my god, that's like the most. It's a, one of probably the most fa- epic fantasy shit ever. It's, I, I know I said that a lot, but like, my god, the, the again it's based on the score too, too. But just beautiful. Um, yeah. And then the Urukai show up and shit. And it, the Urukai. Have we? Have we? Have we talked? Uh, no, we haven't. I we forget. have not. No, no, we no. haven't. Let, let's talk. Let's let's give some time to the Orakai. The Orakai um, are the reason that I thought that Lord of the Rings was a horror movie when I first saw it at age seven and wouldn't yo, watch it. Oh, same. The mud. That shit is crazy gross. In the best way. They're so like. fucking scary to seven year olds. Okay, I legit cried. I was like, I'm going to my room because I'm not watching this with the rest of you, my family. So yes. scary. Yes. That's, and this is the scene where we lost my uh, mom, who we tried showing the Lord of the Rings movies, and she couldn't. She couldn't do it. Um, but. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the the birthing of the Orakai scene, right? Yeah, that's yeah, and, and that that's in the second part, right? That's uh, we we skip past. It's that. it's uh, throughout the whole thing. Like they're cutting back exactly and forth. Where it's cut in, but yeah uh it shows up in it start it shows up first in the first half and then like really kicks in in the second right yeah it's horrifying stuff and yeah again you know good old peter jackson doing some practical effect work and i'm now i'm i'm to the part where they're attacking the fellowship uh on my screen beside me and yeah i mean let's talk about this 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 final attack on the fellowship in this movie so yeah so the way that uh aragorn so like Aragorn and Bilbo are having that heart-to-heart again, which is 
super important because we don't see them again together again until after until return of the king uh so like that but also just the, so when he says you know when he tells Frodo to run uh th- that shit where he's literally just like the Urukai are just right on the other side of that hill is just that shot is still blows my mind so I always forget like holy shit they're and it just and they just yeah they get there. their super they get there super quietly too like I have this I I have this weird image of in my head of like Lurts leading the entire Urukai army going shh Let's tiptoe. Let's let's get him. Let's get him. Get him. Be quiet. Be quiet. We got this. No, I, I, Sam. I'm glad you brought up this shot because, um, it's it's glorious to me how they how he shot that that thing and the cut the two cuts that follow after that. Like you know, he says, "I follow I'll follow you all the way to Mordor or whatever." And he closes his hand. He pushes him away. They notice the sword glowing, and he tells him to run. And then it cuts to the shot that you're talking about. And you see Frodo's cape just kind of like flicker away, like as he's like running off screen. That flicker of the cape always stands out to me. It's so beautiful. And then boom, he he walks around. They're right there, and then it cuts to him raising that sword to his face, and you're just like, "This movie's the shit." I was like, "Aragorn is the best." I was like, "Oh my god!" Just that pose of him with the sword in front of his face, like, "Yeah, it's, it's like, about to go down." Like yeah. it's so incredible. It's such a it's like a great iconic hero moment. You know what I mean? It's up there with him like. Like surviving the fall off the cliff and then pushing his way through those two doors, like as he returns home, mm-hmm. that kind of shit. And you're just like, oh, dude, like everyone's fire, dude. Like that that shot right there was like, yeah, it was oh so good, so so good. Had to bring that up. And so we get some amazing hero moments. Um, I want to point out we haven't really talked about Legolas. We mentioned him, but man, well, he doesn't do shit. Well, he's, he's there. Not much to he's do there. With the first one, really. Besides, yeah. yeah. Kill the cave troll uh, earlier, but still yeah, only yeah. counts as one. But t- <laughs> <laughs> um, but hey, like it's it, it seems like in every movie he gets one cool, one really really cool moment, mm-hmm. and and they get progressively dumber, but <laughs> simultaneously more awesome, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to talk shit about the elephant scene. We'll get that. We'll get there. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, I just love the moment. It's the single shot. Of him shooting what, like twelve arrows mm-hmm. at, while standing completely still. Yeah, shooting doop doop doop. That's pretty cool. I thought that was cool. It's rad. Yeah, yeah. it's rad as hell. They 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 added more arrows, by the way. When you see that in the theatrical cut, it's like one or two arrows, and then in the extended, he shoots like five it's, in a row, it's dude, bonkers. just like marking people. Yeah, it's so great. Like I, I love that shit. Yeah. Speaking touch. of arrows, do we want to move on to? Boromir's oh, fuck. demise. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. What what a scene! What a scene, man! Like this, this get, I get goosebumps talking about it, man. Again, especially when the hobbits yell after he falls, and they, it's in slow mo, and you can't really hear their yell. <laughs> oh god, that scene! It hurts my heart, man. Like they, because they they're gonna try, and they easily get like plucked mm-hmm. up, you know, <laughs> like like they they serve no. <laughs> like competition for these orcai but that moment is so sweet though it's just like it is oh god and you can see them as actors like crying too you know they really got into that scene you know and i'm just like god that's up there forever like that moment is up there forever on film they totally sold uh boromir's death like they totally sold like how painful and how great the redemption was you know of his character and and the final and this shit is hardcore like the way that like the those fucking oh. arrows are just the big like 
just the biggest fucking arrows you've ever seen in your life. And like the fact that it's heartbreaking, but also like, holy shit, like that. How, I mean, and then, you know, how Aragorn takes him out later, but like, it's, it's hardcore. It's a fucking tree. Like he's shooting trees like, into this man's like chest. Those aren't arrows. Those were like fucking like PVC pipes. Like fucking, those things were huge. Like, like sewer fucking pipes. Like they were fucking insane. Like I, re- I remember thinking that too. I was just like, that dude is shooting trees. Like what the fuck? Like that is like way too powerful. You know? Yeah. Good stuff. It, it, again, Sean Bean is amazing, and his character Boromir is. It's it's. Uh, do I dare say it's like my favorite arc in this first movie? It is because like it's it's the one that's most complete, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, and like like guys like you guys were saying, I think it was Rocky was saying that redemption arc. It it paid off in spades. Just the fact that he sacrificed himself mm-hmm. to save, you know. Uh, save everybody else and take those fucking arrows to the chest. <laughs> and he survived long enough to uh, have some final words with Aragon. So, did you guys notice that? Well, this is just you know a little <laughs> Easter egg, but he wears Boromir's bracers all the way oh. through the end yeah. of the trilogy. Oh, it's it's oh, great. Wow. So yeah, that's right. you see him strapping them on right at yeah. the finale of the film. Like you see him totally embracing that that yep. you know those things. Oh yeah, that's such a good touch. Like such a good touch. Hopefully, yeah. Boromir calling him his king. He's like, okay, fine. Yeah, fine. it is him. It, yeah, it is him simultaneously being like, I'm not gonna forget Boromir's sacrifice for the for the good of the party, but also like, I gotta start embracing the Gondorian in me and actually start like taking up the mantle. Uh, that's OG. Right. and like the fact that this happens in. I'm on Hen, which are Gondorian ruins, like like not to get too up my own ass and analytical about it, but like the 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 heir of the steward of Gondor dies amidst Gondorian ruins and leaves the king alive. Like the only one who could save Gondor at this point is the rightful monarch, which is imperialist and problematic, but like from a narrative perspective, it works. Yeah, so, yeah, the Fellowship is broken. It's Merry and Pippin who get kidnapped by the Orakai. Uh, and uh, the Fellowship, the remaining Fellowship, minus uh, Sam and Frodo, they go after um, Merry and Pippin. But no, it's about Sam and Frodo, this, this final scene between them. Guys, um... How about it? It is legit one of the best friendship scenes in the world. It's so beautiful how they ended the film on that note. Like, it's the fact that, like, a guy would, like, drown, like, just to even be remotely close to his friend to help him on this fucked up journey. You know, I mean, a part of it is probably, like, I'm afraid to be alone. But even more than that is, like, dude, I'm you can't leave without me, asshole. Like, I'm with you the whole way. Like, you cannot tap out on me like this. Like, I get how heavy this burden is, and I understand you'll probably cuss me out the whole way, but, like, I'm gonna go. Like, and that's all there is to it. And there's a lot to be said about that. There's there's so much beauty in that. And I remember when it said, directed by Peter Jackson, I was like, play the next movie now! Like, I was so fucking, like, <laughs> mad when this movie ended. Like, I wanted it to, like, keep going. Like, I was so upset. Uh, but it's because that scene was so beautiful and so powerful. You know, it, it goes back to kind of what Harrison was saying earlier about how dudes are afraid to be like, you know, beautiful to one another and just sincere. 
and that is one of the best examples of like dude like i'm with you the whole way you know what i mean like you're my brother and that's all there is to it and i love shit like that i'm a huge sucker for honor in cinema and that's one of the most oh that that scene is loaded with honor and integrity and respect it's perfect it's it's lovely is it is it terrible that i laugh every time at uh elijah wood's delivery of you can't swim. <laughs> I'm like, this is emotional and it's sad and it's heartwarming and I love it, but god damn it, that line's funny. <laughs> oh, I love it's Sam. A good one. I love him too. I love it. Just the way the way Sean Aston plays this of like the him starting to sink is like, God damn it, Sean Aston, I love him. And I love that he I love that he got to be in these movies. It just makes me endlessly happy that like of all the people that Rudy is like in my one of my favorite movies of all time and gets to be the heart of the movies just makes me happy to no end. And then we're on now the fucking fellowship is separated and we're on to the next movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what else can we say about Fellowship of the Rain, guys? I know we tr- I, I tried my best to move us forward. We may have skipped some stuff. I know. We didn't talk about Gollum. Oh, fuck. We didn't talk about Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gollum shows up right away in the next one, so we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It, is, it is worth noting that, like, it's very clear when they will, like... When he shows up in Moria, they didn't quite have the model right. Mm-hmm. Like if yeah, you go nope, all the yeah, way yeah. back to the like the animatronic they use at the very like one they use an animatronic in the prologue, and it is not the same design that they come up with for the Andy Circus uh, version in Towers and King. But um, the eyes are also different in um, in Moria because again they didn't have the model 100% ready to go and they were still like going off of like motion capture and reference for circus mm-hmm. at that point um so they hadn't made the choice to do full motion capture by then which is why the model is so different in two towers and return of the king and that's why they like have his eyes like those are his eyes in golem they're not like really like they're blown up a little bit but like that's his eye performance as well rather than these like big shiny things that you see in moria yeah 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 and and, uh i mean yeah it doesn't like ruin the experience for me knowing like oh yeah that's not really the golem we see later on but it's just an an, an interesting uh thing to note that yes (laughs) you know they may have filmed a lot of it, you know, in like '99, but they were still figuring stuff out as the movies were being released. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and then yeah, we'll talk a lot more about Gollum in the next episode and the next movie. Again, final final words, guys. I I just don't want to say that it's fucking perfect again, you know. <laughs> but it is. I will. I I will. I will say. I will go on record with the fact that um, this is my like i said it already this is my favorite of the three um because it's the tightest and it's got the most consistent quest line throughout uh because the other two are like very much the middle chapter and the we're wrapping the whole thing up but uh this movie deserved more oscar nominations and wins than it got and if you've listened to any other talk film society oscar podcasts that i've been on my opinions on the academy are pretty well known at this point <laughs> uh and this is one of the most atrocious um ignorings i think they've ever done 
like it won two Oscars and they were production Oscars. Not to say production Oscars aren't worth anything because Four. they absolutely are. Four? Okay, no, Towers is the only one that only won two. You're correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I have it up here. I can quickly go through uh, what they won. They won for cinematography, visual good. effects, good. makeup, and original good. score. Hey, Howard Shore. Good. Okay, cool. Uh, they deserved yeah. uh, 12 or more for each yeah. movie. So uh, they were nominated for these, and they didn't win these. Uh, Ian McKellen was nominated for supporting. Should have uh, won. Nominated for Best Art Direction. Who won uh, Best Supporting that year? Uh, I can look it up real quick. Let me go. Let me run through this list first. Uh, best Art Direction, Best Director, Best Film Editing, Best Original Song, Best Picture, Best Sound, uh, Best Costume, and Best Adapted Screenplay. They lost all those. Jim Broadbent won Best there you Supporting go. Thank Actor you. for a movie I've never heard of. Speaking of awards, we should get an award for this podcast because it was so great, guys. I mean, it was. Aww. <laughs> wow. I forget how we ended it last time, guys. I don't know if we had a catchphrase or something. Oh, Harrison, didn't you have a catchphrase? I mean, I had greetings from the Grey Havens, but you're doing weird. You're doing the weird canned intro. So, like, I well, don't that's have... the intro. What's, well, what's the opposite of greetings from the Grey Havens? Um, <laughs> Get fucked from Mordor? I don't know. Peace out from the Grey Havens. <laughs> Alright, everybody. Bye. Peace out from the Grey Havens, guys. Or Get, get fucked. <laughs> get fucked from Mordor. Helm's deep in Helm's deep, deep in, in them, them guts. guts. Helm's deep in them guts, guys. Bye. Bye. Keep it alive. Keep it alive. You can follow me at sick underscore underscore six six or more salacious content over at the blur bitch underscore underscore. And you can listen to my podcast sequels S E E Q U E L S through talk film society or anywhere you hear your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam shot first. And I'm the host of talk film society's Keanu Reeves retrospective podcast. Keanu believe it, which is also on Twitter at Keanu believe it. You can follow me on Twitter at play underscore champion. And I also host a Disney podcast called Dream a Little Deeper. Follow me on Twitter, Rocky Warrants, R-O-C-K-I-E-W-A-R-A-N-T-Z. And because of this uh, gross pandemic, I've been doing a whole bunch of gaming. So I'm also on Twitch. So Rock Agus on Twitch if you want to watch me game and come hang out. And you can follow me on Twitter at Marcelo J. Pico. And you can follow Talk Film Society at Talk Film SOC. Go to our website, talkfilmsociety.com. Listen to our other podcasts, read our articles. And if you want to hear bonus episodes of this show and others, go to patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode where we cover part one of The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers.